Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Wealth of Geeks podcast. Welcome to the Wealth of Geeks, Movies, Money, and More podcast, where entertainment and finance collide. Join us as we bring together people each episode to debate the hottest topics in the world of entertainment and finance. So, whether you're a fan of Star Wars or side hustles, Marvel or money, this podcast has got you covered. And now, here's your host. I am your host, Sarah Gilliland, and today we are talking not only movies, money, and more, but we are going to be focusing on the more part. We are talking a brand new subject for this podcast. We are going to be talking about college sports. Obviously, it is football season right now in pretty much the whole country, (laughs) but we will probably be discussing other sports as well, but we are going to be focusing on two specific conferences But before I get to which conferences those are, I want to introduce everyone to Kyle Woodley. Kyle is the editor-in-chief of Young and the Invested. His 20-year journalistic career has included more than a decade in financial media, where he previously served as the senior investing editor of Kiplinger.com and the managing editor of InvestorPlace.com. Kyle oversees Young and the investing coverage, including stocks, bonds, exchange-traded funds, or ETFs, which we've talked about here on the podcast, mutual funds, real estate, alternatives, and other investments. He also writes the weekly Weekend Tea newsletter, so that sounds like a fun one to read. (laughs) Kyle, thank you for being on the podcast today. Thank you very much for having me. We are excited to chat with you. Oh, I say we. Me. I'm excited to chat with you because we are talking about some of my favorite things, (laughs) SEC and Big Ten sports. (laughs) For those who don't know, I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast, but I am an Auburn University graduate, which is in Auburn, Alabama. And Kyle is going to be talking today about Big Ten sports. And Kyle, let's chat a little bit about your affiliation with the Big Ten. How'd you get started there? Sure. So yeah, before we dive in, just a few things you should know about me. So number one, I was born and grew up in Ohio. I graduated from Ohio State in 2004, and I'm obviously an Ohio State fan. Um, Number two, I'm a typically reasonable Ohio State fan, I swear. Uh, (laughs) And number three, um, I'm having you take my word for it because this is a hot take podcast, and there's no room for being reasonable here. I'm going to say a lot of ridiculous things in the next hour or so. This is just a bit. I am not the jerk I'm about to pretend I am so that I can defend the Big Ten against the SEC. So (laughs) now that I have that legal disclaimer out of the way, let's talk about some dumb Southerners. (laughs) I just knew you were going to start with that. Um, Yes, for anybody who has ever listened to this podcast, uh, you know that this is a fun debate and we have winners and losers but it's all for fun it's mostly educational we want to talk about things that people are interested in we want people to learn about something that they may not know so i'm very excited to bring that to people today for anybody who is new and listening to this i am not offended by anything kyle says (laughs) just wait (laughs) i know how to take it all with a grain of salt and typically i don't get involved in the discussions i'm usually the moderator but i couldn't resist talking about my home I don't want to say home state. It's just really the home region, I guess, for the SEC. So I'm really excited to chat with you about this today. Um, I am, a, like I said, an Auburn University graduate. I graduated in 2008, so I'm a little bit behind you. But uh, I've been there for the good, the bad, and the ugly of Auburn sports. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I sadly, a lot, a lot of ugly lately. 
yeah, lot of ugly lately. Yeah, yeah, I know. But we do. I don't know. I feel I feel good about where we're headed. So we'll we'll see. I mean, I know we could debate coaching all day long, but I don't want to just focus on football. I do think that's important, I, especially uh, down here in the South. Football is king. Um, especially in the state that I live in, we don't have any professional sports. We have minor league baseball, um, and we've recently added the USFL, which, I mean, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Oh, no. I don't know what to say about it because I don't want to – it's not that it's not legit, but it definitely doesn't draw. It's minor league It's minor league football. I mean, we yeah, can be honest about what it is. Like, no, no affiliation, obviously, but it's minor league football. But, I mean, yeah. still – uh, as anybody who watches minor league baseball should know, it's still a very entertaining product. So let's yeah. not let's not kick around the USFL. Let's kick around each other. That's true. That's true. But I say all that to say because we don't have any pro affiliations, football and specifically college football is the big deal where I am. Um, I really feel like it's not even as big of a deal in other SEC states because they do have other things to get excited about you know mississippi has the saints even though they're technically in new orleans that's kind of absorbed into that i guess although i guess if you're in north mississippi maybe you go for the titans i don't know it it, we're all over the map here in alabama we've got falcons fans we've got uh titans fans saints fans i mean some people even claim some of the florida schools i don't know why they would do that but Um, they do. So you'll find the Columbus, Columbus, Ohio actually shares that sort of, or at least used to share that commonality where obviously you have all the Cleveland pro sports, you have all the Cincinnati pro sports, but in Columbus, you know, the, for the longest time, the idea was, well, our professional team is the Ohio state Buckeyes. That's our pro team. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I know how it goes. Yeah. So do you feel like it is maybe based on where you are in the state of Ohio as far as whether or not you're going to be more into college sports or more into pro or is it kind of an evenly distributed it's it's evenly distributed uh it it less so has to do with like whether you care about one or the other and more so your allegiances I mean you know if you grow up around the Cleveland area you're probably going to be a Cleveland sports fan that makes a lot of sense but there's also a ton of Pittsburgh fans because, of course, we're close to the Pennsylvania border and because people love hopping on bandwagons. In the northwest part of the state, I mean, Toledo, you know, their news coverage for the longest time was like basically split like Ohio State and Michigan, you know, just because of the proximity. And same thing with the pro sports. I mean, you'd have, you know, say like Cleveland Indians, but you would also have and Guardians now. Uh, and you'd also have, say, Detroit Tigers. I mean, for football, you know, in some parts of the, you know, the state, you're looking at people that might be, say, a Lions fan, a Browns fan, or even a Colts fan because of the proximity to Indiana. Um, so it's the kind of thing where trying to make a generality across the entire state next to impossible to do. Now, from a college perspective, it's a lot more uniform. I mean, virtually the entire, like if you're in Northeastern Ohio, it's very unlikely that you're suddenly going to become like a Pittsburgh Panthers fan. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to root for New Pitt. Um if you're in Northwest Ohio, like maybe you're a trader and you like Michigan, but it's very unlikely. Um, <laughs> most of the state likes Ohio and, and like even here in Ohio state. And, and even then, um, like you have a lot of, we have a lot of other D one schools, you know, we have all the various max schools. You have Ohio university, Akron, Kent state, so on and so forth. And I mean, the thing that you find and not a commentary, but the thing that you find is like, 
Ohio State is their other favorite college football team. You know what I mean? Because like mm-hmm. they they play in the MAC. They're never going to be in for a championship, or whatever. And so you want to have that big team that you can root for and that everybody roots for. And you go to the bar and root for them, whatever. Um, and and from that perspective, it's a it's a religion. Ohio State football in the state is absolutely a religion in that we're in the season now where fall is coming across. So for most people, it's like you know pumpkins, pumpkin, you know uh, pumpkin spice lattes, all that good stuff. But on Facebook, it's also, I'm going to post my yearly screed about how you cannot invite me to any, like, weekend events. Like, if you get married on a weekend, on a Saturday, you know, in the in the fall, like, I'm not going to your wedding, so on and so forth. So, yeah, um, so yeah I would say that, like, it's, it's hard to say a lot of things are sort of statewide, but Ohio is largely an Ohio State thing. The, the weirdos in the South, like, some of them were Bearcats fans for, like, the couple years they had a good team. And then, of course, that went away when Luke Fickle did. But, um, but yeah, it's it's primarily an Ohio State thing, and uh, yeah, I hope that answers that question. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's good because see, the perspective here in the South is that you are for one uh, or the other. Usually, there's two universities represented in each state for the most part. Um, George is a little strange because they've got ACC, SEC kind of dividing their loyalties. Um, but they also have a lot of pro sports. So they're kind of their own thing. But like, you know, in Tennessee, you've got Vanderbilt and Tennessee and Mississippi, it's Ole Miss, Mississippi State, here in Alabama, University of Alabama, Auburn. Um, and Florida, I guess, too, they're Florida, Florida State, that's their division. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the SEC, you know, the funny thing about the SEC and rivalries is like, Frankly, the Big Ten has better rivalries. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm just going to put that out. Like, if we're going, where would now? Gonna... But... No, 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 no. Uh, so, just prepare to lay down and be demolished here. No, but let's um... talk Ohio State, Michigan, because I just don't think that's exciting. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's oh, that's super weird, and 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 that's because you don't really, as an Auburn fan, you don't really care about standings or anything, because it's not like you guys are competitive. Not um, and that's why really. that's why you don't care. But Ohio State, Michigan, always matters. But first, before we get to Ohio State, Michigan, and some of the other rivalries, let's talk about the SEC. So, um, first of all, I will say, like you know, obviously, like you know, Georgia, uh, Georgia, Alabama is you know like that, or Georgia, Florida. There really are some good rivalries in the SEC, but they just don't like really sort of. They don't really match up against it. So, oh yeah, I think, and I think what ended up happening is that I ended up uh, actually deleting it. But yeah, there we go. So one of the best rivalries in the SEC um, is, you know, the the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, which is sadly a now defunct name um, between you know Florida and Georgia. Um, but like for the most part, if you take a look at like the SECs. I guess what I call their, you know, sort of more interesting rivalries. They are, as you mentioned, like they're the, the like versus other conferences. So you have Clemson versus South Carolina. Uh, you have Florida, Florida State, Kentucky, Louisville, uh, A&M versus Texas, which I guess is about to become an SEC rivalry again, much yeah, to this may of A&M fans <laughs> that were trying to run away from Texas and mm-hmm. up oh, they caught up. Uh, you know, Mississippi State versus literacy. Like there's just a lot of great <laughs> out of conference, you know, well, rivalries in the SEC, there. but not with it. So we'll, we'll go to the Big Ten, all right? So the, the best rivalry is Ohio State versus Michigan, and it's the best one in the nation. Um, now, granted, us, you know, kicking wholesale butt against Michigan for the better part of a decade put a little bit of a damper on things, but for better or worse, the rivalry is back. It is, you know, most years it is the game to watch because there are virtually always national championship ramifications. 
and, and that you know that's part of why it's the best rivalry is because it matters but it's also because it's not a one game or a one week thing it, it's how you live your life like especially in a transient city like dc where you know i worked for several years i still live within about an hour of it you know for years if i if i walked around in the city and i saw somebody with a michigan shirt on you know I, i'd walk towards them i'd be staring at them hoping they would catch my big stupid smile um you know and see my osu hat and put it all together you know, now I have to duck and hide. Like, I, I don't want that smile coming my way. Like, I don't want to see a happy Michigan fan ever. And, and the rivalry is so pedantic. Like, you know, you're down south and it's like, ooh, a, you know, a guy in an Auburn hat flipped off a, you know, Alabama fan. Like, ooh, try going an entire week without using the letter M. We have taken the rivalry to, like, the pettiest, most obsessive levels. Like, do you think Georgia and, and Florida, well, Okay, you know what? Their students actually miss a lot of letters when they spell, so never mind. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say about that because, you know, as an Auburn fan and graduate, I do not have anything nice to say about those two students. <laughs> However, um, you know, you say that uh, you guys take it to a different level, but may I remind you that we had an Alabama fan that was so incised that they lost the uh, Iron Bowl. He poisoned our trees in Auburn. Like, he took it out on some trees. That's, so you're right. That is actually a super high level, uh, like, concession. I will say that is amazing. And it's, uh, by the way, horrible. Like, I I want, if that fan is listening today, I want you to know you're a horrible person. Like, just let's be very clear about that. But still in prison. He's serving time. He's Don't on, they have podcasts uh, in prison? Surely they, yeah. right, they, they can sneak in headphones and iPhones well, and stuff maybe. like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure if he's not in prison, he's definitely doing community service and he's had to pay restitution to the university. For but a tree, can you imagine? I mean, forget even like a hallowed tree, which it was. Like it absolutely was. But like imagine that. Like I'm going to take my anger out on and then you choose tree, like not a pillow or like the bar. I'm just going to drink it out of me. I am going to go and poison a tree. That is a that is an excessive high level of petty. Uh, I appreciate it, but like, no, guy, no. Yes. Well, and it just goes to show you that they will stoop to any level when it comes to their passion for their university. And I feel like you probably don't know because it's on the local news and not necessarily national news, but we regularly have people shoot at each other when they feel like their uh, family member or friend, family member or friend is not sad enough about the other team's loss. Oh, that's uh, so thank you, internet. But yes, I actually have come across those okay. stories. Well, so yeah, I don't look yeah. at that as like a positive side of the rivalry. I just look at that as like, those people no, just I weren't don't. brought up right. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's but, positive. I think it's nuts. I think there are ways that you can, you know, maybe not using the letter M for a whole week. That's that's pretty intense, but you're not really harming anyone. Uh, but it's it's a pretty normal occurrence around here to hear uh, that so-and-so shot their sister because they weren't upset enough that Alabama lost. <laughs> so I actually do get amazed that there is, I guess, that level of passion for it. Because if, if nothing else, like, I, I will say that, like, the SEC... What they're playing for, other than national championships, which I guess, whatever, I guess they matter. But for the most part, you guys really aren't playing for anything. Um, have you ever taken a look? Bragging rights. But bragging rights. We all, we all have those. We all have those. <laughs> but across the rivalries in the Big Ten and the SEC, one thing that you will find is that the trophies, the trophies 
are nowhere near as close. The big This is an area where I can definitively say the Big Ten has the SEC absolutely beat. And I have come, you know, with facts. So here I'm just going to list off some of the SEC. Well, actually, I'm going to list off all of the SEC's trophies. Not a very extensive list. Um, building things, I guess, is just not in your nature. Oh, just football, because those are the ones where, like, the most interesting trophies are usually the longest standing ones, although hockey has some pretty good ones, too. But anyway, so the best one by far and away, Florida, Georgia, the Okefenokee Ore. Um, so it's made out of a thousand-year-old uh, cypress tree from the Okefenokee Swamp, which is one of the favorite hidey holes of toothless criminals who are running from the feds. And uh, the thing that I love about it is it has an old-school trophy feel, but did you know it was actually created in 2009? It's a very recent trophy, super cool. Yeah, big praise for that. After that, it immediately goes downhill. So you're looking at the Battle Line Trophy, Arkansas-Missouri Shrug. Okay, wait, pause, because I also think that's lame. I'm not going to lie. That is a forced rivalry that I will never really support in my lifetime. I mean, maybe my kids and their kids will come up with that and it will become more of a thing. But honestly, ever since we added Mizzou and Texas A&M, there has been so much effort focused on making those two teams part of the SEC and they're just not. I'm sorry, they weren't part of the original grouping. Um I don't I care more about the egg bowl than I do about the battle for the for the boot or whatever you want to call it. The only the only reason Missouri belongs in that conference is because of their barbecue, but otherwise I 100% agree they are just not an SEC team. They are a Big 12 team and they should go back. Um and uh Missouri is actually or I should say the the newcomers um you know, both Missouri and Texas A&M, they are part of like other really bland trophies. Mm -hmm. So Missouri, South Carolina, the Mayor's Cup, which leave it to the SEC to name a state versus state rivalry after a city level position. Couldn't figure that one out. And then you have Arkansas, Texas A&M, the Southwest Classic Trophy. Like that is so bland that Dasani Water should sponsor it. Um, the golden egg, that's kind of neat. Mississippi Ole Miss, like, I, I love that they have a Harry Potter trophy, so that's kind of neat. You have the golden boot, which is Arkansas versus LSU, the Magnolia Bowl trophy. These are all really boring, but the absolute just bee's knees of bad trophy goodness. I'm sorry, it's Auburn. Alabama versus Auburn. Do you guys, actually, before I even say the name, do you know what you two play for? The trophy that you two play for? Alabama and Auburn? I honestly don't. I don't even know if I know because it's not a big deal. We just call it the Iron Bowl and you just get bragging rights. Like it's not, <laughs> we don't really. This care. is prepare to, prepare to be sad. During basketball season with the trophy and they make the SGA president of the opposing school sing the, the winner's fight song. So, I mean, that's really embarrassment enough for me. I don't oh, know. Oh, it, it, it's, it's so bad. It is the James E. Foy V hyphen ODK. Sportsmanship Trophy. Worst name in trophies, bar none. Uh, the only thing that amazes me about this trophy is that it actually tips its hat to an honor society. That's what the ODK uh, references that apparently is, you know, on both campuses, mm -hmm. uh, which surprised me. I mean, who would have thought that, like, either of these schools even noticed, like, the learning that was going on around them, you know? So, like, the flip side of this is the Big Ten. The flip side of this is the Big Ten, which we are the standard bearer for excellent trophies all right so number one with a bullet is the floyd of rosedale so best name in trophies first of all bar none but for those of you who do not know the original trophy itself was based on a 1934 bet between iowa governor clyde herring and minnesota governor floyd olson 
they literally bet a prize hog from like each respective state on their teams the game between Iowa and Minnesota. Minnesota won, so Iowa's governor, Herring, got himself a prize pig from Rosedale Farms. So that's where you get the Rosedale part. And because haters go and hate, he named it Floyd after Minnesota's governor. Hence, you've got the Floyd of Rosedale, which is now to this day, you know, it's a it's a bronze pig trophy. History is amazing. But hey, wait, if you... wait, wait. So you think a pig trophy is better than all the other trophies that you listed? Oh, my God. A hundred percent. So the thing that makes college football great, it's not the money. It It is partially the sport itself, but it it is also the ridiculous traditions around it. Like, that's that's what makes college sport. When you go to the NFL, what ridiculous, like, other than, like, you know, the Washington Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders, you know, the guys wearing, like, the pig noses or Cleveland Browns fans barking like dogs or whatever, there's not a lot of silly nannery. In college football, there's tons of it. The second best trophy is, and it's actually a newer one. I mean, like, this is this is why it's beautiful. The goofiness of this, the $5 bits of broken chair trophy. Minnesota, Nebraska, okay? That's the now, name but, of it? That is absolutely the name of it. And and wow. it's weird because, like, Minnesota then ends up being involved in both, like, one of the best old school trophies, the Floyd of Rosedale, but also the absolute standard bear in newer awards. So this trophy actually, it literally spawned from a Twitter exchange uh, between the, the actual account for Minnesota's mascot, Bully Gopher, uh, and then a parody account for Bill Pelini, who at the time was Nebraska's head coach. And so Goldie, and I quote, okay, how about if we win, you give me $5. If you win, I get to smash a wooden chair over your back. And then Faux Pelini, the other account said, just as long as we can turn that $5 or bits of broken chair into a trophy for next year's game. They didn't even wait for the game to be played. A bunch of Minnesota supporters actually created a broken chair trophy. What's really weird is that the ADs, or I'm sorry, the athletic departments, um, they didn't seem to want to be a part of this anymore after a couple of years. And so the trophy didn't even show up in 2016, but Nebraska supporters ended up recreating the trophy. And now it's uh, it's used as a centerpiece for uh, charity fundraising, which I think is, you know, great. And God, leave it up to athletic departments to like not understand a good thing when it, you know, hits them right over the bat. Right. Uh, by the way, this history is brought to you by brokenchairtrophy.com. <laughs> so other other... Other trophies in the Big Ten. Paul Bunyan's axe. That's Minnesota versus Wisconsin. That is uh, I'll give you that one. The little brown jug. Another great old-timey feel thing. Also <laughs> Michigan, Minnesota. So to be clear, Minnesota is part of four top-flight rivalry trophies. The SEC has one total amongst it, and Minnesota alone is part of four. You have the old brass spittoon, Indiana versus Michigan State. The old oaken bucket. Indiana versus Purdue, and the Purdue Cannon, which is Illinois-Purdue. Now, after that, I think it drops off a little bit. You have uh, Land Grant Trophy, Michigan State versus Penn State, Land of Lincoln Trophy, Minnesota versus, uh, or I'm sorry, Illinois versus Northwestern, Governor's Victory Bell, George Jewett Trophy, Heroes Trophy, Freedom Trophy, Heartland Trophy, some of the blander ones, but at the top, I it, this is a no contest. It's Big Ten all the way, Advantage Big Ten, Edge Big Ten. All right, I guess I'll give you that. You guys do have some cool trophies. I don't know about the names, but we can let that go because, you know, I really think it's about what the trophy looks like. And honestly, the stories behind them are really cool. Um, you kind of talked a little bit about traditions and how that separates college from NFL or NBA, other uh, sports leagues, I guess. And I would love to talk about 
traditions because I think the SEC has some of the best. I don't really know of any Big Ten traditions that get national attention the way SEC ones do. So school me a little in Big Ten traditions. I'd actually like to hear about these SEC traditions first because um, I'm not aware we're outside of the South, so I'm not aware of any big SEC traditions. So please do it like. Well, we just talked about one. The fact that uh, an Alabama fan poisoned Auburn's oak trees, which we roll after every win in every sport. So anytime somebody wins something, wins a game, wins a championship, whatever, we roll the trees. That tradition started a, well, okay, with a lot of Auburn's traditions specifically. I can't really speak to the other schools since I didn't go there. I know a little bit of history of theirs, but I I know our stories. So our story is that back in the 20s, I guess, maybe 30s, uh, when ticker tape used to be a thing, uh, when Auburn was playing away games and people were standing around waiting for the score, they were headed to uh, Tumor's drugstore to get their lemonade and find out what the score was. When they would get uh, the announcement that we had won, they would take the ticker tape and throw it over the uh, telephone lines or the power lines to let people know that the game was over and we'd won. And that became toilet paper, became bigger, became the entire corner becomes covered in white. <laughs> um, so that, that is actually, that is pretty cool. Yeah, so I will give that, that to you. That is pretty cool. Did not start out as toilet paper. It was actual ticker tape, but I guess, you know, when you stop having ticker tape, what do you do? Toilet paper, paper towels, something. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's that one. Um, and that was, that's a big deal because it's something that Auburn does to, show the whole town and really anybody who's around, you know, we, there's lots of videos about it and, you know, people report from the corner sometimes during um, the season and whatnot. So it, it was such a big deal that an Alabama fan felt like he needed to poison the trees because he was mad. <laughs> um, I know that Georgia, their dog walk is a big deal. And the fact that they have their dog on the field Um and it is such an important part of their identity as the university. Yeah, Aga, absolutely. And I've read that dog from the same line over and over, and, you know, that's... Yeah, I think they're... <laughs> what are they on? I think they're on... Is it... Uh, and apologies to anybody who's listening if I get this wrong. I think it's Aga 11, the, or the 11th. I'm not sure how they say it. But, yeah, I think... Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is... No, that is... A, it's a wonderful tradition. If you can't... Yeah, if you can't love a dog tradition, like, I'm sorry, you're, you're a bad person, and that's how that goes. Yep. So there's that, and then we have got the, oh, I just had one in my head, and I lost it. I know, so Tennessee has this kind of a similar thing. I don't know that their dog, Smokey, has always been on the field, but I know he runs out onto the field, at least in the last 10 years or so. Definitely a second-rate dog, though. Like, I mean, that's just, I don't want to say, I don't want to say copy dog, but... He's cute, but like I August the listen, a bulldog, like a you know, a proper bulldog is just always gonna like I'm ugly, they're ugly. It you know, I'm I'm always gonna relate. Yeah. Oh, the other one I was thinking about was LSU. They have a legit tiger. Yes, they do. Um they oh god, who was it anymore, but they used to. I was in uh when I went to Auburn, I was part of the marching band, and so we were treated to um the display of the tiger. They brought him around the field, and he stopped right in front of the band, and they got him to roar at us. It was pretty intense. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm trying to think. It was it wasn't EDSBS, I don't think, but somebody had 
just a brilliant sort of like detailing of the history of like LSU's Tiger. And I, I apologize that it's completely failing me right now. I feel like it was, uh, but it was also inner SEC uh, nation because I'm, I feel like it was like Marty and McGee, you know, they like to do uh, more stories on, well, you, you don't cause you don't have SEC nation up there. <laughs> um, so SEC nation focuses on all the SEC schools and a lot of times in between the different points of their broadcast before they, you know, go to call the game or whatever that they're, uh, showcasing that week they they talk about uh places to eat wherever like if if they're in lsu they'll talk about where their places to eat in baton rouge they'll interview people who've grown up there they will talk about the tiger they will talk about all kinds of stuff so there's lots of like history involved in those kinds of stories so that that could be where you saw it no, so uh, so I was actually, I, I admit, I do look around when I'm sort of failing for something because I hate to, you know, it's a podcast, people are listening, and then, like, all of a sudden, like, so I have this, like, weird earwig that I can't figure out, and then all of a sudden, everybody else has it. So it was Spencer Hall, who was from EDSBS, but it was um, it was while he was with Banner Society. So for those of you out there who want to read about this, I, I believe it's literally just called, like, Tiger. Um, uh, what you'll see on Google is going to be LSU Tigers mascot Mike, um, but it was from 2018, August 30th, 2018. And it's a great breakdown um, of like, you know, basically like the various Tigers that LSU has had uh, since the beginning of tradition. And yes, that is a beautiful tradition, but I, I will say, so you, so you just don't think the big 10 has any traditions, like anything that nobody's ever heard of. You're sure. No, I don't want to say nothing. I just feel like I don't. And of course, you know, we've talked about this. I'm insulated in the South. You're up closer to your teams and especially Ohio State. So you're going to be more in tune with what's going on there. And I'm the, I'm the same way. So I just don't hear a lot. We hear a lot about uh, ACC stuff. Occasionally we hear things about the Big 12 because Texas and Oklahoma are joining us. Um, and we can talk about that in a minute, too. The fact that, like, people keep abandoning their conferences for ours. But <laughs> Oh, God, let's not. I don't want to make this depressing. This is supposed to be fun. I want to hear about Big Ten traditions. because sure. I, So I, I'd be remiss as an Ohio State grad to not mention Script Ohio. That's the very first thing that should come out. Script Ohio. Oh, yeah, you have heard of that one. How about yeah. that? Yeah. So Script Ohio is, I, I mean, you've seen it. I don't have to explain it for anybody. If I do, just search it. Just go to, but don't go to Google. Go to YouTube. Yeah. And just, and, and by the way, once you're done with that spend in like an hour and just like watch all the other ohio state like their formations like when you think of marching bands you think of just these sort of like black formations and they do things like you know a moving pac-man and michael jackson dancing around like it, it's it's simply brilliant now the really fun thing about uh script ohio so script ohio itself is fantastic you have the you know the marching sousaphone player who comes out takes the bow it's excellent all sorts of like i think like jack nicholas john glenn like is you know like some very very like important people have you know dotted the eye throughout the years but a really cool sort of sub tradition that you know isn't as whatever it's not as famous but it's you know to people in columbus it's really cool is that um for uh for i believe it's senior day so they have like you know or like alumni day or whatever they basically have um former marching band members come out one of the cool sub traditions of of script ohio is that for alumni they do multiple script ohio so like if you look there's actually several instances of them doing like you know two script ohio sort of end to end and it's just really neat to see it sort of like you know happen simultaneously and you know backing that out even further the people that of course produce the script Ohio is to middle the best damn band of the land. It's not the best damn band in the Midwest or in Ohio. It is the best damn band in the land. Ohio state's marching band is purely superior. It is a phenomenal tradition. Uh, they, you know, before the game, they do the skull sessions. Like there's just, 
um, the band itself is a huge part of the Ohio State tradition. And I mean, they've become, you know, frankly, famous nationwide. Again, everybody has heard of Script Ohio. Um, but other great traditions. Uh, so also, by the way, another reason why SEC people haven't heard of a lot of Big Ten traditions is because you guys refuse to come north of the Mason-Dixon line to play any games. You guys are afraid of basically anything that's in like 50 degree weather or, or, or less. So I understand how you wouldn't be familiar with these. You can come south and come play in 90 degrees. <laughs> yeah, but we play in 90 degrees in Ohio. So it's no big deal. It's just more humid. Yeah, you play in 90 degrees all the way into November. Yeah, but it's still 90 degrees. Do no. you guys play in the snow ever? No. No. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so other traditions that are worth noting. So Wisconsin, you have jump around. Um, so beginning of the fourth okay. quarter. Oh, come on. No. That is, okay. Not in Go there. Go there. <laughs> be a part of it. And you will think differently. It's like NASCAR. Okay. Horrible to watch on TV. Amazing when you're there. Okay. Um. So you have... All right, this splits people, but the Penn State whiteout is pretty awesome to look at. But Penn State's annoying, so of course, if you're any other team, you're like, meh. But like deep down, you know that the whiteout is actually pretty cool. Jump of that, I will say, you know, Auburn played Penn State a few years ago, and it was a close one, and they eked it out. But it they were impressive; they showed out. Yeah. Um. So you have the uh, the Boilermaker special in Purdue. Um, it's, you know, it's a little, you know, it's a literal like train engine, you know, called the Boilermaker special, uh, that was first around since the, you know, the, uh, since the 1940s, I believe. Um, and so they've, um, they've made, they've had to make several of these, ha ha, Purdue, there are a bunch of engineers and they've actually had to make a bunch of these, uh, that, so they apparently don't last. Um, but yeah, they basically have a giant choo-choo train, which is amazing. Um, do you have the gold pants uh, for, you know, Ohio State versus Michigan? So, like, if, you, if you're if you a Buckeye and you beat Michigan, you're awarded, like, this little, you know, pair of gold pants charm. Um, you have the giant, the, the big bass drum. Purdue has a gigantic bass drum that's, like, the size of a human being. You have the um, Nebraska, is it the Banner Walk? No, it's not the Banner Walk. Um, oh, God. Is it just the walk? I, the tunnel walk, that's it. Nebraska's tunnel walk. Um, and then a uh, newer tradition that I like a lot, uh, this one's just whatever, it's a, it's a tug at the heartstrings type thing, uh, but you have the Hawkeye Wave. Uh, so back in, you know, 2017, um, they had built, uh, the University of Iowa built the Stead Family Children's Hospital, um, and it overlooks Kinnick Stadium. And so, um, again, product of social media, love this to death, um, but basically, you know, they, they suggested that, like, fans wave the kids up in the hospital, you know what I mean? And, like, and and so yeah, so it's uh, at the end of the first quarter, I think might be at the end of the, might be at the end of the first half, but I think it's the end of the first quarter. Um, you know, they they wave every home game. It's it's a really neat thing. Um, anybody who watches ESPN knows that you know, uh, you know, tales of you know kids that are trying to fight back from various diseases are you know sort of a big, you know, part of uh, motivation for a lot of players. Like they go, they visit the kids at the hospitals, and so this is just a really neat way to sort of incorporate that. So. Yeah, Big Ten's got traditions. We're good. Uh, that's a, that's a good one. I I I'll give that to you because that that one the first time I saw or, or heard about it and and saw kind of a report on it on ESPN, um, it definitely tugged at my heartstrings. You know, as a parent, that's having someone care that much about your kid just just to to wave. I mean, just a simple act of waving. It's not like they're doing anything special or putting on a performance for those kids, but just showing them that they care and that they know that they're there. I mean. Oh, that's a that's a pretty good one. That's pretty cool. I think that's mm. awesome. 
So I think I think the people who are listening to this probably expect us to get to the football at some point, and we should. But before we do that, just because they're, you know, I would just say, like, listen, I'm talking about from a revenue perspective. Um, you know, there are other things that maybe we cover, just like sort of quick hits on some of the other sports. Sure. I have put together some notes on basically, you know, just the SEC and the Big Ten and how they perform in other sports. Um, you'd mentioned before, you know, um, you know, uh, baseball, obviously very big in the South. Um, and the SEC is better by far, uh, when it comes to baseball in general, I'll say that Southern located conferences are better. Um, but like between the SEC and the big 10, it's not even close. The big 10 isn't even a top five conference in baseball. It is arguably within the top 10, um, SEC every year, you know, one, two, three, like they, so advantage SEC for sure. Um, weirdly in softball, the big 10 is more competitive. Now I think it's actually, I, I think it's a push between the big 10 and the sec. Um, but big 12 sec, big 10 ACC are all pretty much right there. Pac 12 is probably the best conference overall, but like I'd say for softball, it's a push. Um, same thing I'd say with uh, men's basketball, which, uh, the sec is getting a lot better as an overall conference. Now, historically, um, while the SEC does have the lead for national championships, 11 to 10, that's almost entirely because of Kentucky. Yeah. Um, whereas in the Big Ten, we've got, you know, Natty's from, yeah, Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, Illinois. They all have national titles. Maryland does have one, but it was before they joined the Big Ten. But um, I, I will say that, like, it is becoming a much better overall, or the SEC is becoming a much better overall conference. You're starting to get... You know, um, the inclusion of Texas A&M obviously helped you by acquisition. Um, but some of your other programs, you know, LSU's had some good years. Like, you're, you know, it's it's getting starting, good. So a lot of colleges uh, and universities in the South are starting to care more about other sports. And I yeah. think that's a huge shift because I grew up at a football fan. Like, I knew that that was, that was the thing. That's what you uh, supported. That's what the games we had season tickets to. Um, that's kind of all that mattered. And it's very, it's encouraging to see that not only are the fans learning to support other sports at their favorite university, but that um, the universities themselves seem to be doing a better job of realizing that like, hey, these are important. Um, these are part of growing the revenue of the entire athletic department as a whole. And I think that is I, for me, that's encouraging because, like I said, I've got kids and I've got two kids that, um, pro- well, I don't know. The youngest one, I'm not sure what he's going to do, but my oldest <laughs> um, is a softball player. And it's definitely encouraging to me to see that um, women's softball is being elevated a little bit more than it has in the past. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, I feel like it's it's something that we take for granted. We take for granted that, like, Auburn has a bajillion swimming and diving championships. And we've produced a ton of Olympic athletes, but it's, but that's a big deal. Like when you watch the Olympics and you see people, I recognize them now because I'm like, Oh yeah, they were on our swim team or they were on our gymnastics team. I mean, for goodness sake, we got SUNY Lee for a whole two years, but <laughs> you know, yeah, and it just means it's and a lot of it is just, you know, it's the revenue generation. It's what people yeah. watch, you know, there's a reason why, you know, we watch the Olympics because it's a national thing, but like, you know, as sports go, we tend not to pay as much attention, but yeah, I mean, they're also, they're all ultimately national championships. They're, they're pride for the university. It, you know, it matters. Right. And by the way, I, I cannot get past men's basketball without at least noting it because Alabama fans will lose their mind, but Alabama, you know, was at the top of the SEC last year. So not just a football school, but apparently a basketball school as well. So 
I'm just going to put that out there so they don't whine and complain afterwards. Uh, but they're going to come. But Proven's basketball, I will say. I'm on here talking about. That's true. <laughs> they wouldn't complain about anything. They're grumpy. They're grumpy because they're not quite. Because Georgia is better. But we'll, yeah. we'll get into that here in a little bit. Yep. Um, also on the other side, uh, women's basketball, not even close. I am sad to say. Advantage SEC by a mile. Um, you know, the, the Big Ten only has one national championship, period. Uh, SEC is home of Tennessee. You know, so second only to UConn in women's Pat basketball Summit. glory. So Pat, Pat Summit is, yep, that uh, just yeah. one of the greatest, one of the, yeah, it's one of the greatest coaches, period, of any sport, period of all time. And uh, yep. so, yeah, so the SEC and miles South Carolina away. won the women's national championship this past year, so which yep. kind of caught me by surprise. I didn't realize that they had been doing so well either, so. Yeah. yeah, with you, I'm kind of like all of a sudden I'm like, oh, oh, we're good at other. They actually, so they actually have they have two. They have uh, so yeah, so they had one in 2020, so last year, um, and then also in 2017. Okay. Yeah. Glad. Uh, wrestling, <laughs> wrestling. So uh, up here we call it wrestling. I know down there you call it wrestling, and it's typically wrestling. between you know like cousins. But up here it is wrestling, and I will say number one with the bullet is actually the Big Twelve. It's not the Big Ten. Like the SEC, not even remotely close. It's you know, it is Big Ten teams at all of our schools. I don't, I don't know that you do, but you certainly. So I will say that no SEC school has a national championship. Um, Iowa alone has twenty-four. Penn State has eleven. Minnesota has three. Indiana, Michigan State, Ohio State all have one. So advantage Big Ten by a country mile. Hockey. um, So if you're an SEC student, uh, hockey is a sport that's played on ice. Uh, Players wear skates and they carry sticks uh, and. Never mind, just Google it. Do you really? I did not know that any SEC is an intramural. Uh, you know what? Let me just look real quick while we're while you're throwing the facts for us. <laughs> I don't know, but I was very surprised at that because you know, like like we've talked about, it's pretty hot down here all the time, and we just don't have a lot of wintery type sports. So it, yeah, and it costs. I mean, it just it costs so much to like create that. I mean, you know, it's funny. Like in Ohio State, like we actually have like in addition to having you know, like our main, you know, hockey arena where we where we play that. There's actually like two other places, um, you know, where they can play. So you have Nationwide Arena, or, oh my God, I'm sorry, that's where the Blue Jackets play. Good <laughs> Lord. Value City Arena. I try to keep it out of my head because honestly, it's a hole. It's a giant hole. It sucks. You have St. John's Arena, which is so much better. It's a more moderate size one. Like if you, if you think about, um, uh, let's see here. What is it like? Um, Cameron Indoor Stadium, like that, that really sort of intimate, loud, it's, it's small, but like it's loud, like that kind of environment. St. John Arena is more like that. And then there's, I like literally, I think, what do they call it? Like the Ice House or something like that. But basically, like it's just a small, they only have stands on like literally one side of the rink. Uh, I actually got to watch Ohio State play uh, a playoff game there once. I mean, it's, I, it can't seat more than a thousand people. I think it's probably closer to like 500 all up against one wall. There's like no proper ventilation. It's sweaty. It smells. And it was probably one of the most amazing sporting experiences of my life to watch like a real competitive hockey game where like normally you just go to watch your buddies play like level F intramurals. Um, so anyway, from a hockey perspective, real quick, you know, just to get the numbers out there, um, the, the SEC doesn't have anything, period. Uh, I count 23 national championships for the Big Ten. Um, as a note, though, they weren't always necessarily representing the Big Ten at the time. 
Uh, so, you know, so did you know Michigan, Michigan State and Ohio State, for instance, they uh, used to play in the CCHA, which disbanded in the 2010s because the Big, St- uh, Big Ten became a hockey conference. Um, it has since been recreated with a bunch of smaller schools. But, but yeah, so like Michigan has won, you know, titles that weren't actually Big Ten titles. They were CCHA titles, but we're still calling them Big Ten because they're Big Ten schools. Oh, so you're kind of like Alabama. You're just going to claim all the national champions. Oh, never, ever <laughs> claim that we're just like Alabama. That's them's fighting words, ma'am. Well, I had um, to go there. I had to go there. So uh, okay. Well, if... while you were chatting about Auburn hockey, and actually, if we go all the way back to 1979, that was when Auburn Ice Hockey Club originated. However, it's been back and forth about whether or not it's going to take off. And currently, they play Division Two hockey. Well, it looks like this season you will be moving up to D1. Yeah, uh, I was so, and I, this one I'm just reading straight up from the Auburn Villager, so I do not know if this is a paper of repute, but yes. hockey is, I just don't know. No, it's not a knock. I just don't know. I don't know regional <laughs> newspapers everywhere. I know some of them. I used to work for them, but I don't know all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, on Monday, College Hockey South announced that Auburn, along with Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, and the University of Tampa, will create a new D1 division of college hockey, Within the Amateur Athletic Union, AAU, college hockey. So there you go. You will be getting D1 hockey. That is very cool. Yeah, it is cool. Well, no pun intended. <laughs> the funny thing about it is I was looking. So Auburn's hockey site is auhockey.club. Uh, but they're, uh, they play in the Columbus Ice Rink. So they have to go all the way over to Columbus, Georgia to play. because Wow. It's an ice rink. <laughs> Wow. Well, but hey, but you're building a program. You're building a program and that is legitimately cool. That makes me happy. Um, you said we won't go there. So we will or I'm sorry, I believe you said we will go there, and so we're gonna go somewhere else. Uh drinking. Oh so I came with everything here. So uh both conferences both conferences are alcohol powerhouses. Um and like I mentioned before, the SEC definitely has um the best alcohol related rivalry game you know the world's largest outdoor cocktail party again it kills me that they're like again athletic departments don't know when they have it good (laughs) and so of course they squash names like that but whatever um but the big ten are better drinkers out of sheer necessity and lack of anything to do but they are better drinkers (laughs) if it is january and february and you're in florida or alabama or texas or wherever i'm pretty sure you can still like go to the beach if it's January or February and you're in Iowa City or East Lansing, you are fending off crippling depression with your only remaining crutch. Like, you guys just adopted booze. We were born in it. But in case you just thought I was sitting here vibing, I've got the numbers to back it up. All right. Because so, I feel like if, LSU fans are going to be coming for you. <laughs> so, I okay, there we're going to have a little saving grace there. Uh, LSU fans, like, go ahead. You are respectable. We'll, we'll get there. So if you look at just straight up per capita drinking data from the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, the average Big Ten state rank is roughly 26 compared to 32.5 for the SEC. Now, remember, for average rankings, lower equals better. So in general, Big Ten states simply drink more per person. But we also go harder, too. Looking at binge drinking prevalence from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the SEC's average state rank is 34.5. The Big Ten is just less than 20. Four Big Ten states are in the top ten states for binge drinking. It's not even close. That's something really cool. to be proud of. <laughs> well, kinda. I think college students would say that. Yeah. But but Kyle, SEC schools party harder. Wrong again. 
According to party school rankings from Niche, which they measure a bunch of things that people actually care about, like, you know, grades and graduation rates and things like that, uh, the Big Ten has an overall better party school ranking at 57.7 versus 59.2 for the SEC. Okay, that's not much, but I am going to give that a couple of footnotes. So number one, Northwestern is really holding back the Big Ten. If you wipe out the scores from comparable nerd schools, Northwestern and Vanderbilt, those rankings shift to 40 for the Big Ten and 61 for the SEC. Also, seven Big Ten schools make the top 25 versus just three SEC schools. And LSU, be proud, you're not, you're the top party school. By that metric... The Pac-12 parties harder than the SEC. And in fact, the football championship subdivision parties just as hard as you. Dayton, Florida A&M, and Howard, all three are top 25 party schools. Well, you know, we do have to go to school at some point. (laughs) Do you, though? Do you? Because I'm going to tell you, graduation rate doesn't look too good for you. So, listen, I don't think anyone here is going to be surprised to find that the Big Ten's graduation rates are higher. Uh, The Big Ten graduates 83.9% of its students versus 76.4% for the SEC. And to be honest, that that SEC number actually surprised me to the upside because I didn't think that people actually graduated from the SEC. I, I figured that every student just, like, one day they wake up with a Zaxby's hat on and they just start driving to work instead. Ha, ha, ha. Well, the next time that you are operated on by a doctor in your area, you might want to ask them if they got their medical degree at Vanderbilt, because that's pretty much all that school is good for, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, okay, I wanted to see the other, I'm glad the other shoe dropped as quickly as it did. It's like the only time that SEC people ever, ever claim Vanderbilt is because like, oh, it helps our, it helps our general like grades, academics, so on and so forth. And there's a long, you know, like, I, it's one of those things where, like, I've looked it up several times. I've never found anything hard. But people love to say that, like, Vanderbilt is, like, the reason why people can't look deeply into SEC finances. Because apparently, like, they, you know, because they're a private school that, like, by sort of association, they, like, you're not allowed to do, like, FOIA requests and stuff like that into the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So, again, I'm not saying any of that's true. I'm just saying that's one of those funny things that I've heard. And you should repeat things that you've heard on the Internet, whether or not you can verify they're true. So should we talk about football? Yeah, I mean, I really feel like we probably need to go there because I did not, like I said, I was not, uh, as an SEC person, I do have, you know, general knowledge, but I, you came with the facts. And so I'm like, you know, I feel like I don't have enough facts to back, back a lot of these claims up, but. Well, you'll be happy to know that when it comes to football, the the facts, the, the facts might, they might lean towards the SEC a little bit. They might just a little bit. But um, why don't you get us started? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, we've got to uh, talk about the elephant, no pun intended, or maybe there is a pun intended. Womp womp. Ha ha. Uh, the University of Alabama, um, as much as it pains me to say, they are dominant in the sport of football. They have been for a while, and they definitely had a few years there where they were not dominating. But, you know, everybody knows who Paul Bear Bryant is or was um it is and everybody knows who nick saban is right now so it is a uh you can't talk about sec football without talking about the university of alabama however like you alluded to earlier we have to talk about georgia as well which also again is another rival of auburn and it pains me to say but (laughs) they are uh doing well also uh kirby smart has whipped them into shape uh you know they were with mark ricks for a long time and i kind of thought maybe they were never going to give him up 
but at some point they decided he needed to go and they needed a fresh start. And, you know, Kirby uh, from the Nick Saban school of football, <laughs> that's what everybody yes. has to say. Um, you know, his assistants have gone on to other bigger and better things. And most of them have done pretty well. Um, Kirby, probably the best of all. And they're, they're, you know, I, it's hard to tell because like we're recording this episode just after week one of, uh, at football and it will really, I guess week one and a half. I don't know. You know, those few games that were at the very end of August, are we counting those? I don't know. Oh, we absolutely are. We are going to talk about week one. I am sorry to say. <laughs> you mean week point zero point five? I think. No, no, no. Week zero is a completely different thing that I I don't believe. Week week zero is is nonsense. Okay. Um, I I hate that they do that. It's one of my like least yeah. favorite things in the world. Um, but do we have to talk yeah. about week one, which was last week? So for us, because we're recording this after that, but. You know, there's all this preseason nonsense about who's number one and and are they good enough and all this stuff. It's I I always hate that because you know they want to just the pundits they that's who I'm talking about want to just say Alabama Georgia Alabama Georgia. I feel like that's all I've heard for the last few years, and it's like I don't know. The best thing you could do, the best thing you could do for college football, because you know the argument is that the rankings like oh people want this, it gets them excited for college football. We're excited for college football. Sure. We're already excited. something to argue about. <laughs> well, yeah, but we're already arguing. We don't We don't need rankings to do that. We have plenty other things to argue about without the rankings being there. The best thing for football would be for them to just not have any rankings whatsoever, no preseason, no nothing, until week three or four. Probably after week three, I would say, is like the soonest you would want to do it. And, and it's because of that, like that inherent bias. I was talking to, you know, uh, Riley, who's the founder of the, the Invest. I was talking to him about this yesterday. We're like, so, all right, last week, we'll, we'll get further into week one here in just a minute, but LSU started the season ranked number five, okay? They uh, lost last week. They didn't just, I'm sorry, they didn't just lose. They got blown out 45 to 24. They are now number 14 in the rankings. They are the only 0-1 team in the rankings. They're number 14. So they are ahead of Kansas State, Oregon State, North Carolina, Oklahoma, Wisconsin, Ole Miss, Duke, Colorado, Texas A&M, Tulane, and Clemson. And I have to, I have to tell you, I, I didn't see anything about that, that 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 says it's a good team, other than I guess they didn't lose by more to a very good team. But that's why it's silly. Like, there's no reason. Again, LSU might eventually, over the course of the season, give you a reason to think that it is a top 25 team. But that 14, they're 0 and 1. So that doesn't reflect what you've actually seen on the field. It also reflects these nonsense rankings. And so the, the thing that I told O'Reilly is I'm like, okay, so let's say you took Vanderbilt, okay? So Vanderbilt comes into the season utterly unranked. No, I'm sure no votes, no nothing, just, you know, bottom of the pile. Now, if Vanderbilt went on to win its next eight games, where do you, th and, and then LSU, after losing their first game, they went on to win their next eight games. And if Vanderbilt actually had a stronger strength of schedule, do you think Vanderbilt would end up being ranked higher than LSU? They would not. They would not because of this perceived, oh, well, we just think they're really good based on what they did last year and who they're bringing back. And it what what ends up happening because of that is you get these really skewed ratings that make it very difficult for like other teams have to claw their way in. You know what I mean? Whereas, you know, there's inertia at the top. Like, it's very difficult. I was, was a little surprised, not completely surprised, but like, you know, a little baffled ohio state was three last week they were five this week now typically if you go out there and win your game they're not moving you mm -hmm. you know what i mean and we did we beat indiana 22 to 3 was our offense 
terrible? Yes, absolutely. We have a quarterback competition. It's going to happen. But, like, we held Indiana to three points. Mm -hmm. Okay? Like, that is... That is beyond impressive. So they held Indiana the three to go. While it's Indiana, that's fine. But like the first game of the season is usually a wild card. I mean, you're you're getting your flow together. You're trying to figure out who you are, and people aren't usually on their A game. And so like if you look at the past few seasons, the Buckeyes defense is given up 31 to Minnesota, 17 to Nebraska, 21 to Florida Atlantic, 31 to Oregon State. I will take three. 31 to, I mean, they, I'm sorry, 21 to Florida Atlantic. I mean, really, like, think about that. So I will take three against Indiana. We have an excellent defense, and, it, like, it looks like we're maybe taking some steps that we needed to take after last year's god-awful final two games of the season. So a long way of saying that, like, I, I very much agree with you with the college ratings. I, I, I really think that, like, having ratings, you know, or rankings going through, like, one and three, weeks one and three, I think it's a bad idea, and I think it makes them worse off for the wear. I say you don't start until week four and people really have to consider who the teams are and who they, who they've played. Um, but for, um, you know, for posterity's sake, let's go ahead and put in here that currently the SEC has six teams in the AP rankings. Um, these are, by the way, for those listening, these are, um, these are not preseason rankings. These are after week one. So the SEC has six teams, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, Ole Miss, and Texas A&M. Uh, and if you count future SEC teams, they also have Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, the Pac-12 is tied at six, um, and then the Big Ten only has four teams. So Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin, and seven if you count future Big Ten teams, USC, Washington, and Oregon. So right now, AP rankings, if we're just taking them for what they are, advantage SEC. Yeah. And I feel like that is uh, same song, second verse every year. It's the same thing. Like, they always have lots of SEC teams high up in the rankings, and I don't know that it's always well-deserved. You know, I, like you said, there's a lot of what they well, it sure doesn't year. seem to be this year. Huh. It really doesn't seem to be this year. It doesn't seem to be deserved. So let's just really quickly look at what the SEC has done through week one. So uh, the SEC in 2023 against conferences that matter are uh, they're one and three. And that's only if you count Tennessee beating up on Virginia, which finished tied for last in the conference in 2022 and is projected to finish dead last this year. LSU went out and they lost a 45 to 24 stinker to Florida state, uh, including a 31 to seven second half thrashing. So that's usually like, by the way, even when like really good teams be really bad teams, like especially early on in the season, that's what ends up happening. Like, you know, the, the, the bad team usually keeps it close for the first half, but the quality and depth you know, starts to show during the second half. And so like LSU like lost, like, you know, a Mercer or a Florida A&M, like that's how they lost. Uh, so South Carolina lost 31 to 17 to North Carolina and Florida took a 24-11 uh, loss against Utah. And I I loved, if you went on social media, Florida fans were bewildered at the fact that Utah fans actually get loud. So you guys really do live in your own bubble. Mm -hmm. um, I know, yes. <laughs> yeah, but congratulations, you guys did manage to go 11-0 and um, against six football conference subdivision, uh, or I'm sorry, football championship subdivision teams, the Mountain West, Conference USA, the MAC, and Independent UMass. So good job. Golf clap, golf clap. I will take it because honestly, as an Auburn fan, <laughs> we have been struggling for years to not, not only to win a game that we should handedly win, like we did this past weekend, but to um, enjoy ourselves and have a good time instead of biting our nails, waiting for the final whistle to blow and going, we won. <laughs> so I will take 
the cupcake win and I will move on to week two because that is really where I am personally at. I know a lot of the other teams, there's all this talk about whether or not Alabama's got their quarterback that they need because he right. didn't, you know, do all this stuff that they wanted him to do, just like Bryce and and Mac Jones and all the and Tua and all the other, you know, stars that they No, had. Alabama absolutely has you a know? quarterback conversation on their hands right now. Yeah. Yes, yes. And it's just it's funny to me because I feel like we have real realistic expectations and they don't, but you know Well, realistic, not good expectations, <laughs> but realistic. Yes, absolutely. No, I mean, like, listen, I, I want to, you know, you seem like a very nice person. And so <laughs> I, I want you to experience some level of happiness. But, like, look at look at who's got you. So you're being coached by Hugh Freeze, who is a good coach. He's, you know, uh, so, you know, his record is 103, uh, 103 and 47. Well, actually, no, I'm sorry. It's technically 75 and 47, uh, you know, if you don't count a bunch of the vacated games. Um, you know, so... But, you know, Hugh Freeze, he delivered a, a bunch of recruiting violations, very helpful. Um, and even better than that, the school then tried to pin it on Houston Nutt, uh, which they then had to apologize for. So I thought that was really funny. And then Freeze went on the rehab tour with Falwell U. Um, but the Lord preaches forgiveness and college football preaches uh, forgetfulness. So now he's back at Auburn, which was absolute garbage last year. Yep. Um, the only good thing I will say about Hugh Freeze is that he is two and three against Nick Saban, which is two wins more than most other coaches have. And, you know, honestly, in the South, in the SEC, in Alabama, that's all that matters. <laughs> we can talk about national championships later. If we beat Alabama, that's really the tip of the hat. You know, uh, I think that's the reason why we hang, hung on to Gus Malzahn for so long. Um, because you know, yeah. ducked in a lot of other <laughs> important games, but as long the rivalry as the weighs rivalry, more than it just it weighs more than really any other did. game. Really That's did. why I was, I marveled. I I mean, I just I couldn't get over that Michigan never dumped Harbaugh. And I mean, like, listen, so when I came into this again, I mean, I have, I have stuff prepared on everything and like, I, I am, you know, I am here to defend the big 10. Um, I will tank my own case for the sake of crapping all over Jim Harbaugh. Like he might have two wins in a row against Ohio state, which effectively saved his job. But like, okay. So first off, he's going to need another five against Ohio state to even make it break even. Mm -hmm. He hasn't won a bowl game since 2016. He should have been fired long before the program turned it around. Like, the guy... Okay. He has been flirting with the NFL basically every single year since he was booted from the league in the first place. By the way, why did that happen? Because in a profession that prides itself on breeding S-class jerks, he was so toxic that Jed York, like, stared down the barrel of Harbaugh's nearly 70% winning percentage, and he was like, nah, not worth it. And so now, wouldn't you know it, Harbaugh is facing a three-game self-imposed ban to, you know, keep the NCAA at bay over recruiting infractions. What a guy, you know? <laughs> I mean, I think I think the coaching, I think coaching for the Big Ten, I think is actually a plus. Like, I think we overall have better coaches. Um, James Franklin is doing just great things at Penn State. Um, you know, the, the cloud of Paterno hangs. Because he couldn't do anything with Vanderbilt. No, he really couldn't. Um, and that's, you know, it's really funny. Um he, well, I, I guess it's relative, though, because he did have pretty good success there. I want to say there was like a pair of like at least like nine win seasons while he was there. So he's I mean, he was definitely, I'd say, one of their most successful coaches. And apologies while I go look at the tape. Uh, but 
Yeah. Well, I think, but part of the problem is, and I wonder, you know, again, we were saying, you know, kudos to the SEC for this or that. I think maybe one of our detriments is that we, as a conference, have unrealistic expectations for yes. our sports teams. Yes. We expect national championships from everyone. Yes. And, and they can't. Don't give anybody the opportunity to build something from scratch, especially when the previous administration or coaches or whoever it may be has dumped all over. You know. Oh, it's true. There's only there's only one SEC championship. There's only one national championship. I I will say this. I mean, like, listen, finding out who the best is is great. Like, I you know, per like the whole tournament thing, whether it's the BCS championship or not, like the college football national championship, whatever you want to call it. Finding out who's the best is, I suppose, the point of all this. Although I would actually sit there and argue that in college football, like in the pro sure, you guys are all getting paid, although I guess college kids are getting paid. We actually uh in the oh, weekend to the newsletter, we actually we did a we actually did a subject we 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 did a newsletter about NIL money and basically how that works. Like it's more of a how-to and like, you know, explaining it, you know, we're not it's not an opinionated thing, we're just talking about the subject. But but the point is that, you know, we talked about earlier the, you know, all of the the traditions and everything in college. And, and that's sort of what makes it great. And so is the fact that, like, at the end of each season, and I'm sorry, anybody who wants to go and say, oh, participation trophies, whatever, like, just remember, the older generations are the ones who are giving out those participation trophies, so it's technically your fault. Um, <laughs> but, like, at the end of the year, back in, like, the actual bowl era, you could end the season, and it's like, so first of all, there was no national championship, so it's like we won the Rose Bowl, whatever, and then you had to hope for, like, an, you know, the AP to basically think you're better or whatever. But, like, you could exit the season, have a bowl win and go, like, listen, that was success. Would we like to win the biggest bowl for our conference? Absolutely. We want to go win the Sugar Bowl or the Orange Bowl or whatever it is. But, like, it was still felt as, like, this really is an accomplishment. More so, like, yeah, we still have the bowls now. But, like, it just feels like they really are very much more secondary goals than they used to be. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, yeah, the SEC, and I would say not all of the Big Ten, but, but you know, Ohio State, Michigan especially, like we do have those expectations where every year it's like, it is Big Ten championship and at least getting into the semis of yeah. the national championship, you know, conversation or bus. Mm -hmm. um, and so, so yeah, I agree. I mean, it's really, you know, it's tough. The SEC does have um, you know, some decent coaches in there where it's like, listen, they're, they're very good. They're going to lead their teams to, you know, sort of B plus level bowls. And they'll, because they didn't win like a natty or whatever, they could end up being out in like three or four years. Yep. Um, you know, just a few coaches to highlight in the SEC, by the way. Uh, you know, so Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, um, you know, he actually is, like he's having really good success there. He's 23 and 13 with Ole Miss. That's good. It's not outstanding, but it's good. Flip side of that is he's one and two in bowls. Uh, he's just one game over 500 within the SEC because the SEC is so tough. He let Mississippi slide in the Egg Bowl last year. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin Twitter is exhausting. Um, I'm frankly excited to see how he leaves Old Miss, though. Because, like, will he be fired at an airport? Will he be run out of town for sleeping with a booster's wife? Only if history repeats itself. <laughs> um, you know, you have Brian Kelly at LSU. Again, I mean, so he's lifetime. His record is 273-102. That is a really good coach. He also got a kid killed at Notre Dame. Uh, speaking of LSU coaches, by the way, I love that, like, in addition to that, Les Miles, I don't know if you knew this, Les Miles, he literally cannot be found right now. He's allegedly avoiding a subpoena. Will Wade was booted amid accusations of straight up paying cash to recruit players. I mean, I know that's basketball, but still, like, where does LSU find these guys? Your guess is as good as mine. I, the, 
the the fact that less miles cannot be found right now is news to me that's kind of hilarious <laughs> i mean it's it, it it like it's funny and it's also sad at the yeah. same time yeah, yeah. um I would agree. so so yeah but i mean in the big 10 you know from a coaching perspective i mean you have guys like again james franklin who he needs to take that next step he needs to beat ohio state of michigan he needs to get to the big gun championship to be that but like what he has shown so far is very promising. Like, he has four bowl wins. That matters. That really matters. Um, so now he just needs to sort of beat the big guys, and he's there. Um, I don't want to talk about Ryan Day. That's going to make me upset. Uh, I, I do have some issues with his play calling, which is very Jekyll and Hyde. It's not that he doesn't have the ability, but it's like either he is a creative mastermind or he just completely buttons it up and it looks horrendous. And, like, you know, after week one, we still don't know who our quarterback is, in part because of the playbook he threw at them. So... I I really I don't want to go past that um, unless you really want to get into the deep down. But like we've got Luke Fickle in Wisconsin, you know he made Cincinnati matter. He made the Bearcats matter for a few seasons. By the way, Cincinnati fans, Cincinnati does not matter anymore. You can go back to being second rate within the state. I'm sorry, it was really cute where you guys were like, oh my God, we're better than Ohio State. We're gonna be for a long time. We're building something. No, you're not. You're a stepping stone. Um, Fine words. <laughs> oh, that's fine. No, please come find me. Uh, I, uh, at the bottom of this uh, podcast, we'll go ahead and list my address, uh, my height, weight, reach. Well, when we by all means, up, you can tell them where to find you on social media. So that there they you go. You. <laughs> uh, so you have uh, Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, who has been around um, for Jiminy Christmas, 27 seasons. Uh, the last, So let's put it this way. The last time that Iowa wasn't coached by Kirk Ferentz, living with Vita Loca and no scrubs were like top hits on the radio. Whoa. So, like, he's 10-9 and nine in bowl games. Um, he probably would have gotten 11th in uh, the 2020-21 season if Mizzou knew how to wear masks. But, like, <laughs> he's not the winningest coach in college football, but, like, the man knows how to hold on to a job, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, from a coaching perspective, even at the lower, you know, areas, I mean, Tom Allen in Indiana. So, Tom Allen on paper, uh, you know, obviously not great. 30-41, and 0-3 in bowl games. But I will tell you this, and this is just sort of a personal memory, too. So during that same, you know, the, the COVID season was wacky for a billion reasons. Mm-hmm. But the weirdest part of it to me was on November 21st. So Indiana marched into a near-empty Ohio stadium, and they were ranked ninth in the country. So that alone is weird. Indiana marching into anywhere ranked in the top 45, let alone number nine, is crazy. And, you know, against Ohio State, they started to do what they always do against Ohio State, which is falling behind big and early. But then they actually started punching back. Michael Penix was just slinging the ball around. Uh, and Indiana actually ended up losing by just one score on the road. Now, you fast forward three years, and, like, Tom Allen is actually on the hot seat. Um, and he's running the option this year, which is just super weird, too. Um, so it's a, it's a very weird situation in Bloomington. Um, I'll be honest, though, I'd be very curious to see what that guy could do with, like, an above-average, like, you know, program. Well, and I think that that is a great place for us to wrap up this episode. Kyle, thank you so much for being on the Wealth of Geeks Movies, Money, and More podcast. It has been fun. Uh, I think it's been exclusively my my pleasure. I don't think there's been any pleasure on the other side of the microphone, so I apologize for putting you through this. But (laughs) I think it's been a great discussion, and I think if we weren't kind of antagonizing each other a little bit it would not be great for our listeners it would be very boring and bland but if we weren't antagonizing each other it wouldn't be college sports right exactly so i'm glad i'm glad you came on i hope you'll come back 
we have so much to talk about. There's so I'd many be very happy to. potential episodes here that we, you know, said we could discuss. So we'd love to have you back sometime. But you should you should hear me rant about uh, about the greatness of the designated hitters. So, yeah. Oh, OK. Well, maybe we need there to go. go on ahead of baseball season. So we'll, we'll <laughs> see. Um, but before we cut out, we want to tell everybody where they can find you online if they want to respond to what you've had to say. <laughs> so, first of all, um, <clears throat> yeah, you don't want to do that. You don't want to do that at all because I'm a chatty Kathy and I'll just start up a big old thread with you. Uh, so let's see here. So um, because social media has become what it has become, uh, you know, I have definitely sort of spread out. So let's see here on Twitter. Um, you can reach me at, at Kyle Woodley, um, K-Y-L-E-W-O-O-D-L-E-Y. Um, it's the same uh, for Mastodon. Um on Blue Sky, if you do that, uh, it is kylewoodley.bsky.social. And, of course, um, because, you know, what what is radio and podcast if not for plugs, please catch me out at our website, Young and the Invested. That's www.youngandtheinvested.com, um, where you'll see a little bit of my writing, mostly my editing. Uh, again, I don't like to be the forward-looking face of the, uh, the franchise. I leave that up to Riley, but... Um, but yeah, stop on by, maybe learn something, uh, definitely, you know, a lot more educational than what I subjected you to today. Um, but yeah, <laughs> by all means, you know, drop a comment on, you know, Twitter, Mastodon, uh, Blue Sky, any of those. And, um, yeah, I'll say something back. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Uh, for listening and for putting up with Kyle and I's banter today. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode and we will uh, have Kyle back at some point. So definitely feel free to leave some comments wherever you are listening to this podcast or finding us on social media to respond to what we've had to say today. But until next episode, thanks everybody for listening. Bye. That's a wrap. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the Wealth of Geeks podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We have a ton of incredible content coming your way that you're not going to want to miss. Until, Until then, then, stay, stay geeky. geeky.